Well, today we begin a season and a really thinking about things that are new. Is anybody excited that this is a new year? Anybody excited about a new year? Anybody excited that 2020 is officially gone? It is gone. 2020 is gone. We are in a new year. And the thing about a new year is that you don't want to bring old things into the new. If you saw the message that um, I shared online last Sunday, we talked about leaving some old things in the past, leaving the past in the past, and stepping into the things that are new. This week I was thinking about this, and so I wanted to share this with you. Uh, take, take a look at the screen. This is a picture. This is a vintage picture of 1970s shag carpet. Anybody in the house today remember shag carpet? Do you have a grandma? Or you had an uncle? You had somebody in your life that had shag carpet? You remember that stuff? At some point that was new, all right? At some point that was new and that was cool. We are several decades away from that being cool anymore, okay? Just for the record. Um, I, I remember showing up to um, friend's house or relative's house and walking in and, and shag carpet. And um, I just remember if it had been there too long, you remember some people that uh, didn't actually get rid of the shag carpet. They left it there a little too long. I remember walking in there thinking like, I have no clue the things that are living in this carpet right now. I mean, I mean, just, just long, nasty stuff. I mean, there are things that are implanted in this carpet that a vacuum cannot get out. There are things that are, there is, remember we used to smoke, you know, all the time, like America was like a smoking nation a few decades ago, the smoke in carpet and in your furniture. And I mean, there, there are just, um, there are just some things that you can't get out of that dirty, um, nasty carpet. By the way, I haven't completely verified this, but I believe in the picture that's Bill and Mary Breedlove, uh, my in-laws. I'm not completely sure, um, but I, I believe that's there and, and they're all white and they're bell bottoms. Um, and I believe that's them. I'll have to verify that later. But, but hey, just in, just, hey if, you, if you were hoping to go old school uh, today, uh, you can go directly to plaidstallions.com and you can actually order yourself some amazing shag um, carpet. You know, there are some things that they were new, but then they were never renewed. There, there were some things that were new at one point, at one moment, but they were never renewed and so they became old. They became stagnant. They became dirty. And sometimes it is necessary to rip out the old and to put in the new. Sometimes you just got to rip out that dirty shag carpet. Somebody say rip it out. You got to rip it out. You got to take it out. Today I'm super um, encouraged to share with you uh, this message. It's titled this, The Power of New. The power of new. And I know that you are going to ferociously take notes today because it's a new year and you want to be a new you. And so I know you're going to take notes today. If you got a pen, you got a journal, you got a phone, you're going to text it to a friend. You're going to text these points to um, a spouse um, because you want to make progress um, this year. I'm believing that in faith. The power of new. Do you know that our God is a God who has designed things? This is amazing. God has designed things so that they will be new. Aren't you glad that it is a new year, that it's 2021? Are, are, imagine a world where there weren't any years. Imagine where the day would be 700,464,972. That's what day it is today. 
Aren't you glad that we actually have seasons and cycles and rhythms of new? See, our God is a rhythmical God. He has designed things and fashioned things in such a way where there are rhythms and cycles in the world and in our own lives. So for instance, our day, our day is a cycle. It is a rhythm. Every 24 hours when the earth, if I have my science correct, correct, spins and um, makes one whole revolution that creates a new day every 24 hours. In addition to that, seven of those revolutions in a row are seven days, which equals one week. Um, if I have my information right, 29.5 days, every 29 and a half days, um, the moon um, encircles or orbits the earth in relationship to the sun, which then creates a pattern of months. And then every 12 months, we have a new year, which um, is when the earth makes one full orbit around the sun. God designed it that way. God created this. This was God's intentionality because God, you could say, is a rhythmical God or is a cyclical God in the sense that he has created things and made things in such that there are rhythms, which is why we are experiencing um, today a new um, year. If you were to look at the Old Testament, you would see even in the Old Testament with the people of God that there were um, regular rhythms, um, things that they would practice each day, things that they would practice each week, like a, a Sabbath rest every week. There were various things that they experienced in the months of the year. And then there were annual festivals that they would celebrate, seven festivals to be exact. There was the festival of Passover, the fest, uh, or the, sorry, festivals, feast, you could, whatever you want to call them, the feast of Pasto, Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, um, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And God's people would walk through these rhythms and they would walk through these cycles, experiencing new things each year. And then in addition to that, God would create a pattern of every seven years, there would be a cycle of every seven years. At the end of every seven years, there would be a renewal in which you would be freed of your debts. How many of you wish your, your college tuition would be, you would be free of that debt in every seven years. Amen. Can I get an amen in the house? Every seven years in the people of God, there were debts that would be um, removed. And then every set of seven years, so seven um, sets of seven years, every 49, 50 years on the 50th year was the year of Jubilee in which you would be freed of indent, indentured servitude and all sorts of different other things. And th this was the pattern and the rhythm of God's people. And so we enter today, um, in, this, in this new week, we enter a new rhythm into a new year. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. God is in the business of new. God is in the business of new. God wants you to be new today. God wants you to experience new things today. God wants your marriage to experience new things this year. Can I get an amen in the house? Don't say that, okay? Your spouse will be like, why'd you say amen? What do you think about our marriage? Why are you saying amen? God wants you to experience new today and God would want you to experience new um, this year. God is in the business of new. And so if you would, join me in Ephesians, um, a New Testament letter in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter four today. Um, and I'm going, going to look at one text, um, which we will um, make uh, several points for today. And then we'll use some supporting scriptures as well um, to help make the points more clear. This is what it says. The apostle Paul writes Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse um, 17. If you got a hard copy Bible, either online or in person, and you're there, say amen. Okay, all right, some of you got it. All right, here we go. Ephesians 
4. No judgment if you don't have a hard copy. That's fine. Verses are on the screen for you. Ephesians 4, verse 17. It says this. Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer. Somebody say no longer. No longer. No, 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 no. No longer. No longer walk as the Gentiles do, speaking of those who are outside of the people of God, in the futility of their mind or their mindset, the way that they think, the way that they operate. You'll see later that this is the word for attitude or perspective or thinking. The way that they think, the way that their mindset is. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated or separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Before Christ, pre-Christ, separated from God, alienated from God because of the hardness of our hearts, distant from God, ignorant of the things of God, not understanding a thing about who God is and what he's like and what it's like to have a relationship with him. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. To those of you who are Christ followers, to those of you who are actually Jesus followers already, that is not the way that you learned Christ. And then he says in verse 21, assuming, big assumption here, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Let me do this. Before we go any far further, this is the first building block that you have to understand if you want to experience new. It is the building block of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm going to make this assumption. I'm getting ready to teach you about how to become new and how to be new and how to experience new. But in order for you to do that, you've got to understand Jesus. And I'm going to make the assumption that you've learned about him. You've, you've been taught about him. You understand what it is like to know Jesus. Here's the reality. So many spiritualities in the world today, so many um, religions, so many ideologies, so many perspectives, so many thoughts in the world today about how to get to God. Is there a God? How to know spirituality? How to be a better person? How to this? How to this? How to that? Here is the answer in one word. Jesus. It's Jesus. And in Jesus Christ, we have everything necessary we need to experience God. And this is the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is this, that God took on skin, that God took on flesh, that God came to his creation as Jesus Christ and lived the life that you could not live and died the death that you should have died and conquered the grave that you could not conquer. And in Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, in faith, repentance and faith, repenting from our old ways of thinking, our old lifestyle and turning to faith in Jesus and trusting Jesus and believing Jesus for who he is and what he has done for us, what he has done for Ethan. In that moment in faith, the spirit of God invades my life and invades my soul and I become new. I don't become perfect, but I become new. I receive the spirit of God and the spirit of God begins to birth in me a new heart, new mind, new desires, new thoughts, new patterns, new practices, new ways of living. And that is how you experience new. Um, I want to say it this way. Um, before you can experience a new thing, you must have the main thing. 
Before you can experience a new thing in your life today, you must have the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ. And the way that you get him is repentance. Turning from your own self as your own savior and your own God and turning to Jesus as your Lord and your savior. And in that moment, God makes you new. He makes you new. Paul would go on to say in Ephesians 4, verse 21. Let's read 21 again and following. He says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to, here we go, here's the guts of the message today, to put off your old self. Somebody say put off. Put off the old self, this old you, old me. Put that off, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on, somebody say put on, and to put on like clothing, put on the new self created after the likeness of God, made in the likeness of God, so amazing, in true righteousness and holiness. Here's what the first thing that you have to understand if you want to experience new and to experience new in this year. It's this. Here's the first point. You have an old you and a new you. Did you know that? <laughs> you, well, you just thought you were you. No, you're not just you. You were actually an old you and a new you. That is what you are. If you experience Christ, Christ has made you new. Um, but it's interesting um, that though we have become new, we still have this flesh. We still have this old person, this old man. The scriptures would call it the, the old man or the old way. You still have this um, old self, this former self of you that is still living and operating. And here's the thing. You know that old self really well. That's the self that you have known your entire life. That is the self that you grew up with. That is the self that is comfortable for you. That is the self that you are most safe with. That is the self that uh, makes you feel however you want to feel and makes you think whatever you want to think, the patterns that you are living. Paul would say the way that you know that you're operating according to the old self is that you're actually seeing some manifestation of some pretty sinful desires in your life and patterns and practices that are perpetual. Are there patterns of sin that are in your life that seem to be perpetual in your life today? Are there some old patterns, some old ways of living, some old ways of, the old you that is in you that is dominating and dictating the way that you live and the way that you think? What should you do with that? Paul says, put that off. Like the old nasty shag carpet. You gotta rip it up. You gotta rip it up. Part of the Christian life is crucifying the flesh. It's taking that which is evil in you, which is old in you, which is former in you, which is wicked in you and crucifying it, eliminating it, getting it out, saying you don't belong here. There are so many things in our lives today that do not belong. Patterns of thinking, patterns of living, patterns of thought, ideas, emotions, mentalities, perspectives that do not belong. And in every single one of us, there is an old you and there is a new you. Some of these old patterns of thought are things like, well, I've got it. I can do this on my own. I can make it. If I just try harder, if I just be better, if I just study, learn, whatever more, then I can do it. 
Some other patterns of, of thought are, are like, I'll never be the same or I'll, I'll never change. I'll never make it. I'll never experience health. I'll never, I'll never um, experience healthy relationships again. I'll never experience freedom. I'll never be set free. I'll never be delivered from this. I'll never be able to get beyond what I have done. I'll never be able to get beyond what has been done to me. Or even thoughts like, I just can't trust people anymore. Or I just can't trust the church anymore. Hurt, pain, patterns. And these are the patterns that we think about in the way that we live and the way that we operate. And we let these things stay in us. We let these things live in us. These are, we don't even let them live. These are the driving force, the driving factors in our life. And the beautiful thing about scripture is that if you look throughout the entire scriptures, what you find when you get to the end is that God makes all things new. Um, just for the record, um, can anyone please define for me what all means? All. The last time that I checked, all means all. God can make all things new. Why do you have an asterisk besides something in your life that God can't make new? Yesterday, as I was pondering and thinking about this even more, the thought came to my mind, if God makes all things new, why not you? Why not you? What is it in your life that you have come to a point where you have just settled and said, this is my new normal and this is the way that it's going to be? My marriage is never going to change. My finances are never going to get better. I'm never going to experience physical health. I'm never going to, I'm never going to, I'm never going to, I'm never going to. And Paul would say, that belongs with the old you. That belongs with the old you. You need to operate according to the new you. And this is the way that Paul says it. This is the way that Paul uh, gives us the pattern for how this happens. You put off the old and you put on the new. Here's how it happened. He says, by the renewal of your minds, by the renewal of your minds. I've done this on occasion, but let me just park here and teach you a little bit about the word, the biblical word for mind. Um, some of us think that the mind is the brain. Um, the mind is, is not the brain. The brain is the tissue that is in your skull that um, receives information, that computes information, that it helps you uh, perceive the information that is around you. It makes information transfers in your skull. That is your brain. That is not your mind. Here's how the lexicon actually translates the Greek word. It's nous. Here's how it translates um, this word or gives the def definition for this word. It's this, a particular manner of thinking, a disposition, a manner of thinking, thought or an attitude, which means your mind, you could also say is your mind set. It's your mindset. It is your disposition. It is your pattern of thinking. It is your attitude. And some of you need an attitude adjustment today. It is your mindset. Every single person in the room has a mindset. You have a mindset for, uh, towards relationships. You have a mindset towards politics. You have a mindset towards finances. You have a mindset towards the church. You have mindset, a mindset towards your friends, toward uh, hundreds of things, thousands of things. Your mindset is your own chosen attitude and belief about a situation. 
It is what you have decided. It, it is what you have determined that is your attitude and your perspective on things. The scriptures say a lot about the mind. Uh, I'll read a, a few for you. Romans 8, 5 and 6, it says this. For those who live according to the flesh or that earthly old way of living, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, speaking about the spirit of God, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Can I just say today, where in your life are you experiencing death? Where in your life are you experiencing these kinds of things? Where in your life are you experiencing life and peace? That is a result of your mindset. It's a result of your mindset. Uh, Romans 12, 2, the, the famous verse says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind or your mindset that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds or mindset, same word here, it's new, same word in the Greek, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. It all starts with the mind. It starts with the mind, which is your chosen attitude and disposition on a certain thing, on God, on others, on yourself, on whatever it is. The mind is not in a fixed state. The mind can be conditioned. The mind evolves according to what you feed it and what you, how you lead it and what you teach it. The mind can be conditioned and it is your responsibility to condition your mind. You are the only one that's responsible for your mindset. I can't do that for you. I can help you. I can teach you. I can encourage you. I can pray for you. I can labor for you. But I cannot create your mindset. Your mindset is your responsibility. Just like your physical body can be conditioned. Your physical body is in the current condition of what you do physically, what you put in it, and how you exercise and what you do. That is how you have conditioned your body. Let's move quickly on to something else. Your mindset, your mentality is a result of how you have conditioned it with the way that you think and the way that you act and the way that you believe and how you operate. It is the mindset. I love the passage. Um, it actually encourages me. Um, the, the passage in the Gospels where uh, Peter and Jesus have this really um, um, amazing um, I call it amazing, but frightening confrontation where Jesus actually calls Peter Satan. You remember, you remember that time? Uh, it says this in the gospel of Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. Um, but he, Jesus, he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> that's like a pretty, that's like, um, that's pretty bad. All right. If we're going to rank like that's like pretty bad. I mean, some of us will be like, why is Jesus putting Peter down? Like, why is he speaking so negatively into Peter's life? Um, some of us would think that no, Jesus is, is he is um, rebuking something that needs to be rebuked in this moment that is in Peter. And, and Jesus says, you are a hindrance to me for, here's why, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter was so accustomed to living and operating according to a former way of thinking and a former mindset. It was natural to him. It's the way that he grew up. It's the way that he thought. And when Jesus revealed his plan to him, Peter said, that's never going to happen. And Jesus says, you're acting like Satan right now. Go ahead and get behind me because that thinking doesn't belong with me. Which means if you're going to move with Jesus, with his kingdom, it requires a kingdom mindset to be able to go with him. And some of us, um, good Lord, I mean, the political cycle this past year, goodness gracious. Um, we need, I'm not gonna go there, we need 
a kingdom mindset, a Jesus mindset. And if you are going to follow Jesus, if you're going to move with Jesus, if you're going to experience all that Jesus has for you, it's going to require a new mindset. You know, your mindset is really like the driver. It's really like the engine um, in your life. Um, A few years ago, I purchased um, kind of a long-term bucket list item that has become my daily driver, which is my 1971 um, C10 pickup truck, which actually, 1971, this year, it will be 50 years old, which we need to have a birthday party for my truck. Um, my, some, some of you have seen this. I, lo- I love this old thing. It was an amazing find. It had been up in a farm in uh, Virginia, uh, sitting in a garage, hadn't been cranked for years. And um, I bought it and we, we, we hauled it all the way back down to, um, back to North Carolina, back to here. And I've got a friend, um, actually Bill Kish, who's a member here in the church. And we took it over to his house because he's mechanical and I'm not. And we took it to his house and that thing sat in the backyard and we worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it for days and days and days. And it was so painful, y'all. It was so painful. You ever purchased something, but you didn't have the ability to actually use it until a later time? I mean, it was so painful. Like I had a new truck, but it didn't work. It it didn't work. We we had to spend days and weeks and weeks trying to get that thing right. Now, here's here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go over to that bad boy and start polishing up the outside. I wanted to start waxing that thing, do a little wet sanding, do a little buffing, do a little grinding, making, making it look real good. But that was of no effect at the moment when it's sitting in the backyard. The first priority was not the exterior, was not conditioning the seats. The first priority was the engine. See, the engine hadn't been cranked in years. It needed new spark plugs. It needed new wires. We had to rebuild the carburetor. Um, It needed a new battery. We actually had to grease it up and figure out a way to unlock the engine because it hadn't been used for so long. Without the engine working properly, it doesn't matter what the rest of the truck is like. If the engine isn't operating correctly, it's the first priority. And the engine is what gives the truck the ability to actually move and to arrive at a destination. Your mindset in many ways is like the engine of your life. And the places that you ended up in 2020 were primarily a direct result of your mindset. That is so powerful. We have become so fixated on all the things that are happening around us and there is a lot happening around us, but to the neglect of what's happening in us. Here's my next point, I'll say it this way. New things require new thinking. New things require new thinking. Requires that engine to be running on all cylinders to be able to move you to where you want to be. You will experience things in 2020. You will arrive at certain places in 2020 based on what your mindset is and where your mindset is driving you. Um, this, morning I, this morning I woke up, um, get up real early in preparation for Sundays. And literally, I mean, I was like, I was awake for like 12 seconds. Um, barely stumbled into the bathroom. And the very first thought on my head today was many of us, many of us think that 2021 is just magically going to be better than 2020. Uh, I mean, we, we're just like, I mean, we're, we're hopeful, we're expectant. We're, we're just like, it's a, it's a new year. It's a 2021, it's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. And, and, and if I asked you the question, well, why? You're gonna be like, 
I don't know, it's just gonna be better. Like, we just feel like it's just gonna magically become better. Like, it's, if, if 2020 has taught us anything, it has taught us that we have zero control and prediction of what happens in the future. Or if it has taught us anything, none of us have a clue of what to expect of what's going to happen this year. And by God's grace, I hope that it's a, a little better than 2020, which in some way we should be grateful for what God taught us in 2020, by the way. Um, in order if we want to step into 2021 too, which is just a side point there. Um, but we, you just can't think that just 2020 is just magically going to be um, better and all your wildest dreams are going to come true because it is a new year. What we have learned from this year, if we have learned anything from this past year, is that uh, we cannot control the circumstances around us. The only thing that we can control is the us in our circumstances. That's the only thing that we can control. And this year can be better than last year. You can experience amazing things this year. You can experience wonderful breakthroughs this year. Try a little humility, try a little repentance, and it will be unlimited what God can do in your life. We're gonna experience amazing things in this year and God can do amazing things in and through us. But the only way that it's actually going to be better is if we step into what God has for us. Not because of some politician, not because of some president, not because of the economy, not because of anything else, but because of our mindset. And that is how 2021 is going to be a better year. You know, the greatest challenge that you'll face in 2021 will not be what's outside of you, but what's inside of you. And you'll face a lot this year. You'll face some things that you weren't expecting You'll face some things that you weren't planning for, you weren't preparing for. Um, You'll face a lot of significant challenges this year. But your greatest challenge will not be the things that are outside you, but the things that are inside you. John Maxwell, the great leadership um, guru, said um, quite well, he said, the hardest person in the world to lead is me. It's the hardest person in the world to lead. It starts with me. It starts inside me. And not only will um, you be your greatest challenge this year, but here's a little good news. Um, uh, Your greatest opportunity in 2021 is not what happens outside you, but what happens inside you. I mean, what happens inside you, your mindset, your thinking, your perspective, your attitude, your behaviors, your, your beliefs, um, is, it will be um, your greatest opportunity and your greatest challenge for what you experience in 2021. And so here's, here's, here's my next point. I'll say it this way. Um, it's God's job to make new. It's your job to renew. And Paul would say, the way that you're transformed is by the renewal of your mind. You can't make yourself new, by the way. You don't have the ability to clean yourself up. Religion doesn't work. Morality doesn't work. Being a better person doesn't work. Some kind of pleasure, some kind of drug, some kind of, that that, that doesn't work. You don't have the ability to make yourself new. God does. God's the one that makes you new. God supernaturally invades your soul and births in you new life. It's the most amazing thing in the world. God's the one that makes new, but it's uh, your responsibility to renew. It's your responsibility to renew. 
which means there's some old patterns. There's some old ways of thinking. There's some old things. There's some old thoughts. There's some old attitudes. We're going to rip it up. We're going to rip that carpet up and we're going to throw it outside and we're going to replace it with some new carpet, some new fresh carpet, some new fresh carpet that isn't long and strangly and doesn't get stuff uh, tangled up in it, but some new fresh carpet. And we might even put down some nice hardwoods on the floor. We're going to put some nice hardwoods down and we're going to put some nice lacquer on those things and it's going to be nice and shiny. We're going to have a new disposition, a new, you got to put on the new and you, um, it's your job to um, renew. And how you renew and what you renew will be um, significant in what you experience in this next year. Here's my last point. You are either being conformed to the old you or transformed into the new you. Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to this world, to the pattern of this world, to the thinking of this world. Uh, Don't be conformed to that, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And you and I are either being conformed to the old you or transformed into the new um, you. I asked Alex to join me as we um, kind of wrap up this first um, sermon, this first uh, worship gathering of the year. Um, I want to encourage you with um, all the ways that, all the things that God does that are new in the scriptures. Um, this past week was a pretty fun exercise of walking through the scriptures and looking at every single instance where you see the word new in the Bible. Um, and all the things that God does that are new and all the things that God makes that are new. And this is it. This is this. In the first page of scripture, we find a new creation. In Genesis, we find a new nation and a new kingdom. In Exodus, we find a new law. In Numbers, we find a new land. In the Psalms, we find a new song. In Isaiah, we find a new thing and a new name. In Jeremiah, we find a new covenant. In Lamentations, we find new mercies. In Ezekiel, we find a new heart and a new spirit. In the Gospel of Matthew, we find new wineskins for the new wine. In Mark and Acts, we find new tongues. In John, we find a new commandment. In Romans, we find a new life and a new way of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, we find new leaven. In 2 Corinthians, we find a new creation. In Ephesians, we find a new self. And in Revelation, we find a new heavens, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. Amen.